Hello and welcome to Stories from India, a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folk tales from India. I am your host Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. In this episode, we are going to do a story from the Jatak tales. This story features snake people and a kind of turbocharged version of Google Translate and a king who knows how to treat snakes but does not know how to treat his human wife. The story begins on one fine day in the kingdom of Banaras or Varanasi. There, the children of the kingdom were playing a friendly game of cricket. No, they weren't bunking any classes. If there had been a school, they would have been in it. As happens often when an excited group of children is eager to play a whole day of street cricket, in the very first over, they lose their ball and spend the rest of the day discussing how to get it back. And that's precisely what happened to this lot when their ball crawled into what looked like an anthill. Who's going to get my ball out of the anthill? Sachin, you get it. You're the one who knocked it there, said one boy. That's not my job. Ask the fielders replied Sachin. But the fielders didn't want to either. Ultimately, they resorted to what they figured was the best strategy. If they used the bat and stumps, they could poke around the anthill and avoid getting bitten by what they were sure were the nastiest ants. The children were wrong about the occupants of the hill but not about the level of danger. It wasn't ants, but a whole family of snakes. The snakes slithered out quickly from the hole and dashed away. But, enthusiastic little kids that they were, they decided to take it a step further by trying to beat up the snakes. Or one snake in particular. It was a golden snake that seemed like it was wearing a crown, like it was a king or something. And it was a king, the king of snakes, appropriately named Nagraj. A boy with a bat almost hit Nagraj, but the snake managed to slither under the gates to the palace garden. The boys continued their pursuit. Luckily for the snake king, the real human king, Raja, intervened. He had been strolling in his garden when he saw the boys attempting to kill the snake king. Stop! thundered the king. Immediately the boys stopped and bowed low. Don't you ignorant boys know snakes are on the endangered list? Didn't you learn that at school? 
he asked. Your Majesty, replied a boy, schools haven't been invented yet. That seemed to explain the matter to the king, but he dismissed the boys anyway with a stern warning never to do it again. The snake king, Nagraj, stayed hidden long until after the boys and the king had all left the scene. For all he knew, Raja had been in on the act, and the moment the snake would come out of its hiding place, they would all pounce on him. But then, when night fell, he grew more confident that this was not the case. He got out of his hiding spot in the branches of a tree. He had had time to reflect. He decided that Raja had saved his life. That night, as Raja lay snoring in his comfortable bed in the palace, Nagraj slithered in. He crept close to the bed and hovered over the sleeping body of the king. He hissed and opened his mouth. When Raja woke up with a scream, Don't panic, said Nagraj. Don't bite me, said Raja. Relax, said Nagraj. You humans are so scared all the time. I'm just here to thank you for saving my life today. You, you're welcome. And is that all? Raja asked, as his hand tried to reach for a weapon. He must have a sword or a stick somewhere. No, that's not all, replied Nagraj. I've also got you a gift. He gestured with his tail at three boxes. Pick one of them he added. Raja stopped his search for a weapon. He was now puzzled. How did you bring those in? They look far too heavy for a creature with no limbs. Never underestimate a snake, replied Nagraj, very seriously. Sure, we don't have limbs, but we can lasso. So, what do I have to do? asked Raja. Just pick one? What do they contain? The snake replied, One of them contains a lot of gold, another silver, and the last... The king interrupted, I know, it must be some terrible danger, like live scorpions or something. No, no, said Nagraj. What do you take us for? Barbarians? No. Open the third one and you basically get to marry my daughter. Marry a snake? asked Raja, shocked. Duh, she wouldn't remain a snake if she were becoming queen. Look at me, for instance. And with that... Nagraj transformed himself into a regular-looking human. Raja asked, What? 
you can transform. But then why didn't you just protect yourself? Why did you need rescuing from a bunch of eight-year-olds in the first place? Nagraj pondered that for a bit. The Buddha didn't say, he said. Anyway, that's not the central point of today's story. So can we please get on with it? Raja apologized for the interruption and picked one of the boxes at random. Don't you want to peek inside first? asked Nagraj, surprised. I didn't know I had a choice, said Raja. And then he thought, all the other kings at his club had gold and silver. There was nothing weird about it. But a snake lady for a queen? That would earn him a good bit of fame. Nagraj welcomed his choice with open arms. Nagraj's daughter, Nagin, was soon married to Raja. Everything went perfectly okay with them, except Raja would sometimes be annoyed at seeing bits of snakeskin lying around the palace. And Nagin's habit of eating a single heavy meal and then sleeping it off for days. Well, despite all these annoyances, Raja treated Nagin like he should his queen. Nagraj remarked as much one day when they were chatting. Raja did not think that this would be the right time to explain that the reason he was so nice to Nagin was that he was scared of her father. They chatted a little bit more, during which the snake king asked the human king if he had learned the snake language yet. I've been trying, replied Raja. I just wish I was born a parcel mouth. Or at least, I wish I had a dictionary or something. I can do better, said Nagraj. He swiftly changed into a snake form and bit Raja on the foot. Ouch, that hurt, said Raja. Did it really? asked Nagraj. I wasn't trying to hurt you. I was just copying over some of my powers. It's like a USB file transfer. Universal snake bite. And besides, it's worth it. You understand what I'm saying, don't you? Of course I understand you. Why do you ask? Because, replied Nagraj, since biting you, I've been speaking to you in the snake language. And you have understood me perfectly. Congratulations! You can now speak snake. And not just snake, continued Nagraj. You can understand the language of any animal. There's only one condition, though. If you tell anyone that you have this power, you're going to drop down dead. Raja thought that was easy to deal with. He just would never reveal his superpowers.
That should be easy. At least that's what he thought. Raja managed to keep his powers under control by not using them at all. But over time, it was impossible. Imagine how Superman would have felt unable to block out the pleading voices when he had super hearing. It was no different with the king. Against his best intentions, he could not help hearing everything around him. And just like Superman, all Raja heard was the suffering. Though in his case, it was the suffering of the animal world. The worms complained about the birds. The birds complained about the cats. And the cats complained about the dogs. The dogs complained about the gardeners who complained about the worms. To understand the gardeners, of course, he did not need to know all these animal languages. He could just understand them. The cows were also not being milked on time. The horses weren't comfortable in their stable. The state of the animal world was rather pathetic in his kingdom. But Raja did not invest directly in fixing anything. His duty was to his people. And animals were not people. Although, the stuff he was hearing could certainly be used to argue otherwise. After a few years of this, the king was once eating dinner with one of his queens, a human queen, when things took a nasty turn. Ironically, it happened when for the first time he heard from creatures that were actually happy. As the king and queen sat eating, he noticed there was a tiny colony of ants on the floor. He was curious if they were any happier than the terrified ants he had heard in the garden yesterday. So he eavesdropped on these palace ants. Lieutenant Ant, madam, our scouts return triumph ant. They report that it's raining cake at three o'clock. Raja wasn't sure what made him smile. Maybe it was the terrible ant references that these ants were making. Or the sight of the queen eating her cake sloppily and dropping most of it on the ground. Regardless of the reasons, his smile grew and he eventually burst into laughter. The queen paused mid-sentence and asked him, Have you been listening to a word I said? Yes, lied the king. Then care to explain what was funny? She asked. Oh, uh, don't you know? It was just fun and amusing. I have been explaining how I've broken my foot. What is amusing about it? She asked acidly. I, uh, I, um, uh, well, I mean, um, 
one must always keep one's sense of humor, he said. Nothing the king said was convincing the queen. And he could not tell her the truth. If he did, that would be the last thing he ever did. Finally, he told her that yes, he was keeping something from her. But if he revealed it, he would drop dead. So, she asked, what's the catch? It was hard for the king to get out of this. He finally reminded her of the fairy tale slash folktale rule of three. This was just the first occurrence. The rule of three demanded that his first two offenses be forgiven. She had to relent. The rule of three was not to be taken lightly. It was a globally followed rule. So she waited. But the king did not get much of a respite. The following week, something very similar happened with a couple of flies. And the week after that, with a couple of mice. The queen was totally convinced that Raja was laughing at her. Three times, it could not be an accident. And after the third incident, the king could not hold out any longer. He sadly went about preparing his will. He made all the arrangements necessary for his toddler son to succeed him on the throne. One day, far in the future, dejected about what was going to happen to him the next day, Raja took a last stroll in and around the palace. When he reached the place where the goats were tied, he heard an interesting conversation. Mr. and Mrs. Goat were arguing. Mrs. Goat wanted Mr. Goat to do all the household work going forward and to manage their kids. Mr. Goat objected to that on the grounds that they were only 24 hours in a day and that he did not have to take orders from her. Mrs. Goat overrode him calmly and reminded Mr. Goat that if the queen could order the king about, even unto his death, was it really all that hard for Mr. Goat to follow instructions? Mr. Goat, who was easily distracted, pivoted to the topic of the king. I like our king. Any ideas on how he can survive? On the off chance that he's listening to this exact conversation we are having, and the even more unlikely possibility that he can understand what we are saying? Yeah, it's simple, replied Mrs. Goat. All he needs to do is to not tell her. But he gave her his word, asked Mr. Goat. Well, no, he actually didn't replied Mrs. Goat. If I were the king, all I would do is threaten to turn off the queen's cake supply. She'll have to give in.
By golly, said the king. Why had he not thought of that? It was probably his animal language listening abilities that were interfering with his ability to reason. But anyway, he knew what he was going to do now. He would threaten the queen. He would dangle over her the threat to cut off her access to the royal bakery. The queen reacted to the threat just as Mrs. Goat had predicted. And so, the king retained his ability to understand animals. Did it make a difference to his administration? Not one tiny bit. But I guess the moral of the story here that the Buddha intended was simply that one must not make rash commitments. Something that will bring obvious harm to everyone, like the king's demise would have led to, had he revealed his secret. That's all for now. A few notes. The Jatak tales are a collection of stories told by the Buddha. Some of these stories are as much as 2,500 years old. Back then, wisdom was presented in a language meant only for the very rich or the very famous. By contrast, the Jatak tales were accessible to everyone. These stories helped to spread the Buddha's teachings. We've covered a few of these stories before. Check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to listen or read them. There are hundreds of such stories, and they all usually have a moral in the end. As is usual on the show, the names represent what the characters do. Nagraj literally means the king of snakes. Nagin is the word for a female snake. And Raja literally means snake. That's all for this week. In the next episode, we'll continue the Mahabharat. We'll hear the next chapter in the lives of the Hastinapur princes. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. Thanks to all of you listeners for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. I'll see you next time. Yeah.